Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, December 6th. Matt is here with me. Dennis, I be- we believe, will be here very shortly. Uh, before we jump into breaking down everything that has happened so far in week 13 of the NFL season, we would like to say that we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. Everybody tags it when they go live there. Uh, They've got football, fantasy football, baseball, soccer, hockey, wrestling. Got it all. Check it out for any and all of your sporting needs. Matt, how are you doing on this uh, this beautiful Monday? Well, uh, as you all know, it's it's been a hectic uh, period. We left the Friday after Thanksgiving, went to California to see my uh, wife's family to try to do Christmas and her, her grandmother's been ailing to, to visit her. Then my grandmother passed away. So we came back to Denver on Thursday night, stayed at the Gaylord Rockies on Thursday night, went to the show, flew out to uh, Spokane on Friday, left at like 925 and you and I are both morning people, so a flight yeah. that leaves at 9.25 p.m. is my idea of a nightmare. Arriving in the Pacific time zone around midnight, went to a funeral, got up at 4 a.m. on Sunday, flew back, got down here. And today I was greeted with having to go get food at Walmart because we were gone for uh, 10 days. My toilet backed up, so I had to call a plumber. Oh. And my wife had a couch delivered and couches picked up, so it has not been the restful Monday and I get to go back to work tomorrow. Oh, that sounds uh, objectively horrible. If, if, if I'm being honest, Dennis, how you doing on this beautiful Monday? Hey, the lions won. That they <laughs> I did. can't believe I didn't pick them this week. That's all right. I, you I know what? My team and stayed up till midnight to watch a soul crushing Teddy Bridgewater interception. Yeah, I was going to say that. That that was uh, that was pretty rough. Maybe we should test this theory, and I guess this week don't pick the Lions either, and let's see if they get another win. And if so, no, if they're we playing know Denver, Please pick the Lions. Oh, well, in that case. Anyways, let's let's jump in to <laughs> recapping some of these uh, the games here for Week 13. We're going to start with the Bucks and the Falcons. The Buccaneers win 32-17. Matt, no AB for at least two more weeks. How would his return change the defense? Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Um, so they were talking about this last night, and what I think is going to bear watching for all the people that are waiting for him to come back is uh, when he signed, you know, he had had a little bit of a troubled history. Bruce Arians basically said he had one 
uh, you know, if he messed up one time, he could be out. And they said Tampa Bay is mulling whether or not they're going to release him. They don't need um, to do, you know, they don't need to make a decision on that until he comes back. So it's going to be very interesting there. It's not like their offense has been exactly struggling without him. Um, you know, they have Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller with Gronkowski in there. They've looked pretty good. Leonard Fournette has been a, uh, a great blessing as a rusher and a receiver. And I think it's been great for Godwin and Evans for fantasy players to have, you know, that clarity at the receiver position. So I'm I'm beginning to wonder if A.B. has played his last down for the Buccaneers. I saw somebody on Twitter post that uh, the Buccaneers were considering had, that they thought the Buccaneers were considering releasing him. And then somebody else jumped in saying, tagging AB saying, hey, you should sue this guy. He don't know what the hell he's talking about. I know where he lives, yada, yada, yada. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it necessarily hurts them. I mean, we saw him have a big role last year. Him and Brady have really had a good connection when they've both been or when when AB's been playing. But that connection has really come back with Gronk this year as well. And with with Evans there, Godwin healthy, Leonard Fournette playing the way that he is. I, I don't know that they necessarily need the distraction and need need anything, need him there on that offense. So if it is well, the they- last down he played they've narrowed the the funnel for the targets it's it's not as widespread you know it's it's evans it's godwin it's gronk it's fournette and yeah, I mean, if, Bray, just to crush all of our souls yeah yeah if uh if he doesn't come back i don't think it's going to be a big loss for the tampa bay buccaneers dennis it was a big week for russell gage is he emerging as a weekly consideration for your lineup you know i i think you've got to consider him he's led the led the team in targets for the last five games. Now there's some volatility baked in, in the the last four games, not counting this week, he's been wide receiver, 14 wide receiver, 35 wide receiver, 103 and wide receiver 20. So there is production there, but you know, you may end up with that wide receiver 103 week at a very crucial time. Yeah, and I think heading into the season, it seemed like Gage was going to be technically their wide receiver, too. Now I got a field promotion since uh, it doesn't look like Calvin Ridley is coming back this season. Um, And I think that that does give Gage some value, but it is relative. We are also hitting the point in time in the fantasy football season where every lineup decision takes on a little added importance. I was encouraged by what I saw. He got 12 targets, which was great and managed to catch 11 of them. You would think Kyle Pitts being a maybe more explosive weapon might draw better coverage, which would open the door for, for something like Gage, but the Atlanta offense is tough to figure because Gage had a huge day and Mike Davis came back from the dead and scored a rushing touchdown. So you know, Atlanta, not help, not here to help your fantasy team. No, Atlanta's a hot mess. Yeah, I mean, I think Tampa Bay's defense hasn't been that great this year against the pass either. So I, I don't know. I think the fact, well, the fact that he's done it two weeks in a row, once against Jacksonville and the Buccaneers, doesn't really make me that excited to throw him in my lineup every single week. He does get the Panthers next week, who have been kind of on and off again as a good defense. So He did get five for 49 against the Patriots and seven for 64 against New Orleans. 
No, nah, New Orleans, I don't think, has got a great pass defense either. What do you do against the Cowboys? I feel like Cowboys have a good he, defense. So he had three targets, zero receptions against okay. the Cowboys. He has so, kind of a sad game right in the middle. But Atlanta as an offense didn't exist against the Cowboys. That's true. They didn't. They only scored a couple points against them, right? I can't remember what the – I three. remember it was a bad They lost 43-3. Okay. Yeah. They lost 25 okay. nothing to New, New England. So the fact he saw eight targets and got five for 49 – I mean – it's relative terms. If you're talking about him as a wide receiver too, no chance. But if you're talking about a deep league flex option, there are probably worse options out there now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as a deep league flex option, I, I agree with you. Likely has got to start making his way into your lineup. The Cardinals beat the bears here. 33 to 22 was, is a closer game than the final score indicates. It was a big return though, Dennis for Kyler Murray. How do we feel about the passing game in this one though? Just 11 completions for Kyler Murray. Well, five of, let's see, five of 10 drives started in Bears territory with four of them starting inside of the 30-yard line. I mean, if that's not a recipe for a James Conner game, I don't know what is. I, I think that, you know, Ky, well, Kyler rushed 10 times for 59 yards, so he was, it seems like his ankle is healthy finally, so he's moving around a little better. But... When you're playing on a short field all the time, it's not like you're going to be racking up a ton of passing stats. So I'm not worried about it. I think Nuke needs to get healthy. You know, Christian Kirk needs to come around, A.J. Green. They've got the weapons. Zach Ertz, you know, he laid an egg on a couple of my teams as well this week. But in general, other outside of, uh, I think, uh, DeAndre Hopkins catching the pass and touchdown, there wasn't a lot to be excited about with the passing game, but when you're getting the ball in the red zone, practically, you know, half of your drives, it's, it's easy to not put up a ton of stats. Yeah. I, I think the thing is they want to run. They have a lot of different um, passing game options. I still feel like Hopkins is the guy you're starting um, you know, Connor and when he's been in there, Edmonds have both been worth starting. But it's really a dart throw with anyone else, including Ertz. You know, they have Ertz, they have Christian Kirk, they have Rondale Moore, they have AJ Green. All those guys were available yesterday. And it's almost, you know, they aren't quite high volume enough to really sustain the fact that they're spreading the ball. It's a great problem to have from an NFL standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, especially going into this crucial period, I think the only one I'm relying on is Hopkins. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think they almost want to limit what Kyler does right now to make sure that he remains healthy for the rest of the season. They're sitting at the one seed. As Dennis mentioned, they've got multiple running backs that they can lean on. I mean, James Conner has looked revitalized there with Arizona. I, I think we could see – I don't know that they only throw 15 times in some of these games moving forward, but I do think it's going to be a lower-volume passing attack because I don't even think Murray's really in the discussion for MVP anymore, so there's really no point – and kind of him going out there and forcing anything. I'm with you, though. Hopkins, because he's going to get heavily targeted, probably get a touchdown in most weeks. He's got to be in your starting lineup. But outside of him, it's just the running backs uh, for that off. And Murray, I think you've got to still play Murray every single week. I mean, he still, as Dennis mentioned, got the two rushing touchdowns. So he, he comes through for you in fantasy, even though he really did not do much in the passing game. Uh, Matt, the Bears stumble again here. Uh, Andy Dalton looked like prime time or cold weather. Andy Dalton, whichever you want, whichever one you want to put it on. Uh, do you think uh, if Justin Fields is healthy next week, we see him return as a starter? 
Yeah, I, you know, the Bears are four and eight. They're not coming back for the playoffs, even as sad as the NFC field is. And Andy Dalton, you know, yesterday for sure did not look like the better option. I mean, the the downside of it is, I mean, you want to get your rookie experience, but do you want him to get this experience? I mean, subpar offensive line, subpar coaching staff. You know, it's it. it I, I get it. I think I think they should start him, but there's definitely concerns about the experience he's going to get um, if he starts the last few games. I guess they get the Packers this week, so maybe that isn't. Yeah, that's not going to be. It's not going to be great. Maybe they'll um, come back against the Vikings because it worked for the Lions. I don't think they throw him out there until he's fully healthy, and I, don't, I honestly don't know if he's going to be by the end of the season. Because uh, I, I mean, I, I do think that obviously any experience is good experience, especially for a rookie quarterback who's trying to learn the system. But I think it's also fair to say he might be learning a whole new system by next year. So at this point. I mean, if Ryan Pace has any shot at keeping his job, maybe he just says, hey, why don't you just let Fields relax? Let's let's just, you know, not teams don't really fold it up and look for forward to next year, but I don't know that they want to rush Fields out there if he's not fully healthy and, and put him in harm's way yet again, especially with, with the chances that Matt Nagy is likely not back next season. Uh, the game, or the, was supposed to be the game uh, of the early afternoon, in my opinion, was not really that good of a game. The Chargers win 41-22. to Matt, it was a big win for the Chargers. How do you like their playoff chances? Well, they're looking a lot better right now. Um, you know, they're still a tight pack in both their division and in the AFC North. And in the AFC in general, the Dolphins have kind of worked themselves back into the conversation. So now basically 13 of the 16 AFC teams are kind of in that playoff mix. The Chargers have a lot of division games down the stretch. I think that's going to tell the tale both in terms of the AFC West and in terms of how those teams are able to get in the playoffs. But getting that win on the road in Cincinnati was a big step. Yeah, it. It was important. Um, yeah, I picked against them because of the traveling back in time, going, you know, west to east and tr- playing the game. Uh, Keenan Allen went on the COVID list today, though. He's he's going to miss next week, most likely. Um, I, on the way coming home, uh, Howard Bender, I think it was, uh, on SiriusXM was saying that uh, I think they had 11 co- po- co- 11 players go on the COVID list today and all, not the, not the chargers, but across the league and all of them were positive tests. It wasn't close contacts. They all were positive tests. So I don't know what Allen's vaccination status is, um, but he's going to have to get the, if if he is vaccinated, he's going to need what it's going to be at least five days and two positive, two negative tests. If he's not vaccinated, you know, he may be lucky to get back the week after. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that it happened as early as it did gives him a shot to play first week of the playoffs, but you're you're likely not going to have him, as, as Dennis mentioned, unless he's vaccinated, there's a shot you might not have him for the final week of the regular season for fantasy football. Dennis, the Bengals come up short, but Higgins has another big day. Is he a start each week going forward? I think so. I mean, he's been a start all season. It's, you know, it's a function of 
three very good receivers. And if you go back to my rankings at the beginning of the season, I had all three players, I think, in the top 30, top 27, somewhere in there. Boyd is disappointed. And there's been some inconsistency with Higgins and lately with Chase. But I think you have to roll them out there because they're so talented, uh, Chase and Higgins specifically. But you you know, there's always the when you've got Mixon running the ball and catching passes like he does, Boyd, Higgins, Chase. It's just the nature of the beast that occasionally one of them is going to, you know, fall far short of expectations and, and leave you in the lurch. Yeah, I like Higgins too, especially as they're making this playoff push. I like what Burrow's been doing. I think he's working well off of Chase. I still, most weeks, would probably have Chase ranked higher, although, you know, Higgins has looked like the better of the two options the last month. They're playing San Francisco this week. We just saw what what Wackett and Metcalf and those guys were able to do. I think it's going to be a good week again for Higgins and Chase. I mean, Higgins has had five or more targets in all but one game that he's he's started this year and six or more in all but all but one game since week 1. Week 1 was the five target game, so he's getting targets. Yeah, and I think, uh, obviously, the coverage is shifting toward Chase and the defense is trying to stop him, at least help him the past two weeks. I'm with you. I think he's got to be a start every single week. You might, unfortunately, get some lower-end weeks from him. If you get the big Chase blow-up game, maybe he doesn't get quite as many points, but he has, obviously, a shot to do exactly what he's done in the past two weeks every single week that he's in your lineup. The Lions beat the Vikings 29-27. to Matt, the Vikings lose. What does this mean for them going forward? There was, um, I believe in the press conference today, or uh, yesterday, Mike Zimmer said that he was packing all of his shit. Uh, I believe it was verbatim what he said. Is he in trouble uh, now this season? Yeah, so Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer are entering their fourth year um, together, you know, kind of in this. They're 30-29-1 over that time, including yesterday. Uh, and one and one in the playoffs. The only time they made the playoffs was 2019. It doesn't look like they're tracking toward the playoffs this year. They were in a good position, but now you would have to say they're probably one of the lesser options among those that are in the field, uh, potentially. I, I think they need to do something to change. They invested a ton of money in Kirk Cousins and in you know a long extension for Mike Zimmer and that marriage together. Something about it is not working. They've been a fairly mediocre team that piles up some really strange losses and Simmer being a defensive minded coach, seeing the actual way they lost that game. I don't know if you guys watch football night in America, but those guys were having a field day mocking the uh, defensive alignment uh, that Zimmer chose to run on the last play of the game. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but, I have a personal bias towards the Detroit Lions from my childhood. So I was excited to see the Lions get the win. Um, and it was, it, I mean, is clear and got time to throw. He can make good throws. That's always been his issue. As for Zimmer, you know, that seat's getting hot, hot, hot. It, it They've got, well, three of their five games left are very winnable. Uh, they've got the Bears twice and and the Steelers, yeah. but a seven and nine season probably means a new head coach. 
So, you know, nine and seven and missing the playoffs probably means a new head coach. Well, and I mean, I guess technically I would say that Steelers game is winnable, but I, I don't think that they win on Thursday night the way the two teams are playing. I think the Steelers have, have a better defense and probably have better skill position players available to them on offense, especially with Thielen looking like he's – Yeah, with the high ankle sprain, he's going to be out, I'm sure. Well, Dennis, let's uh, track over to your Lions. It was a huge day for Amon Ross St. Brown. Are you feeling encouraged about his role on the team? Well, I, I think we expected him to be, you know, lead the receivers uh, in catches this year. Uh, there was that was how we felt about him coming in as a rookie. Uh, I think that uh, he's showing that he can be a, a solid possession guy. You know, he's somewhere between uh, Hunter Renfro and Keenan Allen when it comes to size and speed. He's kind of right. He's bigger than Renfro. And not quite as big as Allen. He's not terribly fast, uh, but he's fairly quick. And you know, if he can if he can continue to get open, uh, I think he's tracking in the right direction. I, I like what they've done with Josh Reynolds bringing him in too. He's playing uh, nice, and I think that if they can get if they can bring in somebody, if they can bring in a wide receiver one, somebody that's a, a, a alpha whether it's through another rookie or free agent but somebody you know that isn't gonna have injury concerns and stuff they've got a decent team if they can get they basically they need a they need a legitimate wide receiver one they've got deandre swift a good offensive line and then they need defense if they, it's it's really a wide receiver and defense, and then Goff can be a serviceable quarterback. Yeah, he isn't. He's not going to lift the team up, and you know. I, now I jokingly tweeted with a minute and fifty six seconds left that the Vikings left too much time on the clock yesterday. Turned out they did. <laughs> they, they they did, um, but uh, and, and I expected to get mocked, but apparently uh, everybody. Thought I was right on because they went down and they won. It was, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's great. I think they, you know, they're building blocks. They've got some depth. Daryl Hodge, um, but they need they need that alpha wide receiver to that they can count on every single time to pair with somebody like uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, and my hope would be that uh, St. Brown will get a few more red zone looks going forward because he had 64 targets, caught 49 passes for 438 yards. But that was his first TD. Um, you know, so that's a nice, a nice step up. And I'm with you. I actually kind of like their combination of Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds. I don't know if week 13 of this NFL season has worn me down or if they're actually putting something together there. Well, this extra week, I think we're all getting punch drunk. Yeah, I mean, uh, the injuries are helping make those guys look a lot better. But, I mean, it was it was a great game for Amon Ra. He's a guy that a lot of people liked. We, we liked the landing spot, even though it was a little bit later in the draft than we expected. Uh, it was good to see him go out there and have a really good game. The Dolphins beat the Giants here 22-9. Matt, the Giants lose again. What do we make of the Freddie Kitchens offense? It looks, uh, to me, a lot like the Jason Garrett offense. Um 
which is to say uninspiring. Of course, um, most offenses we've seen over the history of his career have looked uninspiring when Mike Glennon is the option, and the Dolphins' defense has been going pretty well, but Saquon doesn't look the same. We keep waiting for him to bounce back. He has a decent yards per carry uh, thanks to a, a longer play, but I'm really befuddled by what they're even trying to do with their wide receiver rotation. Um so, you know, we, we said we wanted to see a couple of weeks and see if that gave us more confidence to start Giants receivers. In my case, I'm going to say it has not. I, you know, I don't think you can really – it's it's hard to judge it right now when, with Sterling Shepard being out, Kadarius Tony is out. Um, oh, who that – you know, Galladay. Who's, who's the – there's somebody else there that I'm missing. But – you know, they don't, Darius Slayton. John Darius Ross. Slayton was the guy I was thinking. You know, he's he's not performing anything like he did last season, and so I, I don't know. It, it's hard to you can't really judge Freddie's offense when he's having to play with, you know, the first, the fifth, and the sixth best wide receivers on the team, and you know the seventy fifth best quarterback in the league. Yeah, it was obviously a little bit disappointing. I, I'd mentioned how good he was with Baker in the second half of that uh, Baker's rookie season. I thought maybe they could get something going, but it does not look like that is going to happen, unfortunately, for the Giants, which could lean, lead to sweeping changes, not just in that front office, but in this team in general in the offseason. Uh, Dennis, the Dolphins win again. Can they actually make a run for the playoffs? I think they can make a run and put some pressure on. Uh, they should be able to win it, you know, three of the final four games. I think they play the the Patriots in the final week, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Week 18. So, I think it's going to be tough for them to get into the playoffs. I, I think they're going to – I think they have a winning record, but I think they finish behind the Bills and behind the Patriots. I think they make it interesting, but I think they fall short. Yeah, on Friday's show, I th- – Threw a little bit of doubt because I told you I think that you're going to have to have 10 wins to make it into the AFC. Seeing what happened this weekend, I no longer think you're going to have to have 10 wins. I think there might be a nine-win team uh, that gets into that field because the AFC has really – they are so tight-packed that the Dolphins, for as crappy as they were, one and seven to start the freaking season, are only two – three games back of their division leader could be two games back of their division leader after tonight. Um, so I, the way they're playing and the way their schedule stacks up, they could get to nine wins. If they got to 10 wins, they probably are getting in and that would mean they'd get in over new England, but they are a much more serious contender than they looked like in October. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about it on that Friday show. Or was it Thursday or Friday? I feel like we dove in for like 10 minutes just talking about the Dolphins. It was. Uh, because, again, we talked about this was a huge game for them, and they won it. And the rest of their schedule is easy. The Jets, winnable game. The Saints, with the way they've been playing, winnable game. The Titans, winnable game. So you you could realistically talk about it coming down to that game in week 18 against the New England Patriots. But again, they beat them. Maybe they shouldn't have, but they still beat them earlier this year, 17 to 16 in New England. So this will be in Miami. 
And I understand Tom Brady's not there anymore, but they've always struggled in that Miami game. If they get that win, I mean, I honestly think there's a shot they could get in because you're looking at what you can. I mean, who else is getting in? I I guess the Tennessee. No, I mean, if they beat Tennessee, they're going to have the head to head against them. And I think Indy's got a really shot, real shot to win that division now. I mean, you've got the Chargers and KC. I mean, the Raiders and the and Denver have kind of fallen back a little bit. They're right there on par with the Dolphins. And the AFC North, I mean, I think you realistically can only say Baltimore and Cincinnati have a playoff spot locked up right now. I know Pittsburgh, which we'll get to, beat Baltimore, but they're sitting at 6-5, and five and the Browns are at 6-6. Six and six. And both those teams play each other and other teams in that division throughout the rest of the season. So Miami has... A very easy schedule. I think if they went out, they're in, regardless. I, I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do down the stretch. They have really come on in the back half of the season. The Eagles, the Fighting Minshews, destroy the Jets here 33-18. Dennis, Minshew fills in well for Hurts. They go into a bye week this week. Are we looking at a QB controversy in Philadelphia? You know, Sirianni said what he needed to say to defuse the situation. Um, but Hurts needs to do his part and play well. If Hurts doesn't get wins, it's not going to matter how in love we are with him from a fantasy perspective if he's not winning real NFL games. Uh, you end up with a short leash there. If the team struggles to generate offense, the calls for Minshew are going to get loud and – Sirianni being a first-time coach, uh, you know, that pressure is going to mount. And when Minshew comes in, it ends up being, you know, when he comes in and he plays well and he gets a couple wins, I, I think Minshew is – what we don't hear is, has he been working to overcome the things – that hampered him in Jacksonville, you know, or is he just, you know, is he manzelling it and riding the mustache and jorts for all it's worth? And then, you know, when it's done, it's done. Um, but if Minshew can't win consistent, consistently, it doesn't matter about the cat calls either. Yeah. So Minshew mania is wonderful when it's going well, um, you know, and I get the, the most popular guy in town when your team's not doing well or as well as you think it should be is always the backup quarterback. Despite no evidence to show that it's the case, we still have every week people here talking about Drew Locke being the best quarterback on the Broncos. I thought Minshew played well. I was kind of surprised that they instantly people started talking about a quarterback controversy. I think you and I, Matt, have talked about a couple of times. I actually have come around a little bit on Jalen Hurts. I think he's been better than I thought he would be. I always figured he'd put up some fantasy points, but I think he's been better as a quarterback. He hasn't been perfect. I don't know if their team is perfect. I don't know if he's the answer, but I have thought for a while, for the last couple of weeks, that he deserves another shot. I have a hard time um, seeing them replace him with Minshew this year. But what I took away from that more is there are so many quarterback openings uh, that are going to come open in the NFL in 2022. I feel like a guy like Gardner Minshew, who people have remained up on remembering some of those good times and then seeing what he did yesterday, is going to be a guy that might be in demand this offseason. I am very worried 
that we are going to see the shift um, going into the bye week. You know, the, the biggest thing with Hertz is I, I do think he brings obviously a dynamic to that offense that Minshew can't. But what Minshew did passing the ball yesterday, I think matters to Sirianni. We have not seen Hertz really succeed that well passing the ball, except for I think it was back in week one. And on top of that, they were still able to run the ball. I think they ran the ball 30, almost 40 times in that game, too. Granted, it was the Jets. And I do 41 think for to, 185 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think we do have to put that part in perspective here. Everybody's talking about how great a game Minshew had. It was against the Jets of all teams. And I understand that's an NFL team. You still have to go out there and play well. Look what the Jags did to the Bills and everything. I get that part of it. But I would not be surprised if coming out of the bye week, we find out that Minshew is going to be starting and not Jalen Hurts. We, we've talked about it here, Matt, because I agree with you. I've been saying it almost all season. I think that Hurts deserves to get a shot. He had just up until recently played a full NFL schedule. And in my opinion, he's gotten better as the season's gone on and he's looked better from where he was last year. But that being said, it just seems like Philly doesn't want him. And we just saw Kyle see a Philly fan say, like, it seems like the front office doesn't really want Jalen Hurts. The fans already want Minshew. I think that they would be going the wrong way. I think we've seen enough of Minshew to know he's not the guy. Uh, and I don't think we've seen enough of Jalen Hurts. But if that's what they end up doing, I think Jalen Hurts, I don't know that he'd end up getting traded. They may keep him on as a backup. I think it would be the bad, the wrong move. But, I mean, I'm again, I'm just a dude sitting here in, in Texas and not in the Philly front office. So I probably don't know what I'm talking about. That That's just my two cents on the matter, though. Uh, Matt, for... I'm sorry for for the Jets here. Elijah Moore. I mean, we were we were skeptical, but he had another amazing game. I believe he has been a wide receiver six since the second half of the season. How good he has been. Him, Jalen Waddle, which we didn't really talk about in that Miami game. Both those rookies have been amazing in the back half of the season. Is he a top twenty four weekly play at wide receiver? Yeah, twelve targets, uh, caught six. The biggest question was would he have the same kind of success with Wilson coming back that he had managed to have with people like Joe Flacco and Josh Johnson? And the answer is yes. Corey Davis now out for the rest of the year, has to have surgery, wish him the best. But Elijah Moore is the number one there, and he's getting the targets, and he's doing stuff with it. Yeah, I think uh, I'd like to see him produce a little more on the yardage side of things, uh, six catches for 77 yards. I'd like to see him spread the ball. Uh, down the field a little further, but I think he's what wide receiver three over the past three games or something. Um, Probably he's been he, he's twenty been plus fire. points. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I I feel like moving him up into that. I I'm I'm comfortable with wide receiver thirty or better versus wide receiver twenty four. But then the last half of the season, he's been wide receiver six and yeah. wide receiver three the last few games. And it's like, well, what the hell am I talking about? Why am I such a chicken shit? So, I don't know. I think, I think right. it's for this season, he is wide receiver 30 in PPR. Since week yeah. eight, he's wide receiver five. Five. Okay, five, not six. My bad. I thought it, I thought it was six. So, yeah, I mean. Well, he probably he came up because that. yesterday. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm out here spouting bad stats. Um. I think uh, the reason I would be comfortable saying top 24 is because of what Matt just said with Corey Davis being out. I think now they're going to force him the ball a little bit. Had Corey Davis been there, I think I would have leaned more with you, Dennis, and said probably top 30. But, I mean, 
Corey Davis being out, they've got to pass it to someone because they're not going to be winning many games. So I, and I think the fact that they can move him around, he's not always exclusively playing in the slot is going to help him continue to put up fantasy points. The Colts destroy the Texans here, 31 to nothing. Aside from Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, Dennis, is there a Colt you feel confident starting? Um, I, I'm very confident starting Carson Wentz still. I think he's still a borderline uh, QB1. There's – so I expected a lot of running. But in four or six games, Wentz has over 30 uh, attempt, passing attempts. The two games that he's had under 30 passing attempts, one was against the uh, Buffalo Bills – where Jonathan Taylor rushed for 76 touchdowns. And the other one was against the Texans, where Jonathan Taylor ran all over them and they didn't need to throw the ball. So I do think you can still start Wentz. Everybody else, though, becomes kind of a roll of the dice. Naheem Hines, um, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle. These are all people that when you're looking at bye weeks and injuries – you know, there's there's plug and play and there's plug and hope, and these are all plug and hope guys. Yeah, I agree with Dennis. Wentz is a borderline starting one QB, but definitely a super flex starter. But aside from that, it's Pittman, and uh, even then, sometimes it doesn't go your way, and it's Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in football, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think Wentz's game hurt you yesterday because they pulled him because Jonathan Taylor did exactly that. He ran all over the Texans Texans early. They didn't need him. Yeah, I mean, they put put Sam Ellinger in there. I want to say it was like early in the third quarter, and and they just kind of let it ride. So that's kind of why Wentz had the bad day. But, I mean, yeah, I'm with both of you guys on that. It just really, really sucks if you need a crucial win this week that you're not going to have the best – running back in fantasy football and Jonathan Taylor. NFL needs to figure this shit out because they're moneymakers, the fantasy football. And you stop with these week 14 buys crap. Well, they have four teams on a buy this week. I mean, they've had four teams the last two weeks when you're making the the move toward the playoffs. It's a lot. Just give us two bipocalypse weeks early in the season and then let us let us be fine the rest of because this just I'm in a league where because it's like uh, playoffs like Scott Fishbowl, our playoffs start this week, and I'm without Jonathan yeah. Taylor in one of those leagues. So that well, is and uh, it's not that's just rough. you know, New England's out and while they don't have any dominant players, they have a plenty of guys you're slotting in there. Miami is out, so Jalen Waddle, who we've talked about, has been the top ten option, is not available to you. And then the the Eagles, where you know Hertz has been a, a top quarterback, and there are plenty of you know Goddard, one of the top tight ends. It's just it's a fantasy bummer. Yep, yeah, I had to pick up Taysom Hill in one of my. Um redraft leagues because i've been rolling with jalen hurts and i was like i just need a quarterback for one week and so I you might upgraded is what you i did, did. Uh, well you know what the worst part about that is because i didn't think jalen hurts was going to be out i didn't play Taysom hill oh, and then i had to go pick up tyler haneke <laughs> heineke who scored 11 points less and now i'm winning by eight points and i'm playing the new england defense and matt Breida. so chances are had i played Taysom hill i would have won and secured the number one seed 
Like Buffalo scoring forty eight points tonight, so don't worry about. I don't know with the way that weather's looking. I mean, I hope so because negative points could really help me. But with the way that snow is, just hope Matt Breida is not the one that scores the forty eight. Oh, they have Zach. Zach Moss is active, baby. So that might be good things for for Matt Breida not doing much in this game. I just need the Bills to run up the score. Come on, Buffalo, I need you, Matt. Is Houston the worst team in the NFL? They are, uh, without a doubt, the worst team in the NFL, especially from a fantasy perspective. There is no one I feel good sticking in my lineup. You're probably still playing Cooks as a flex option, but all you know, prayers up for you. I mean, they have the least amount of talent in the NFL, and they play hard. They're spunky, but yeah, they're not good. Agreed. That's about all I got. <laughs> the spunky Texans. Someone want to tell us about DraftKings? Oh, sorry. I was following the wrong (laughs) sheet. Football fans, I'm sure we all love action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team that to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the second week in a row, Washington beats a team 17-15. to This week, though, it's the Raiders. Matt, Washington wins another one. Does Heineke start in 2022? I think he does. Six and five as a starter now. He's got Washington back squarely in the playoffs. And he's been playing a lot better when helping them win close games. He's QB 15 on the season. Not that fantasy totally determines everything. But he's only nine points back of Ryan Tannehill. He's ahead of guys like Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Baker, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, I think he's had a pretty decent and successful season. I like what he's doing. And I think he's he's a guy Washington seems to like. He feels like a Ron Rivera guy. And I think that gives him a good chance. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we've talked a lot about this. I feel like he's signed for one more season. Why not? I mean, maybe, especially with the way they're going, they have a chance to make the playoffs. Maybe one of these guys falls to them later in the first round. You know, a lot of people talking about how this class is not that good. I think there's good quarterbacks, but there's none of those, like, elite guys like we saw in last year's class. So I'll be curious to see what they do at quarterback. But I, I think with the way he's playing, I'm with you. Right now, their plan is probably to go into 2022 with him as the starter and kind of see what happens in free agency and the draft. Uh, with the Raiders, they come up short here. What do they need on offense to kind of stay in the playoff hunt? Yeah, I like what Renfro has been doing for them. Josh Jacobs was okay. Derek Carr has been giving them leadership 
I just, you know, Edwards didn't develop into what we were hoping. Um, Deshaun Jackson isn't the play, you know, isn't the playmaker enough. So they basically have to get opportunistic on defense and get some turnovers and they have to be completely mistake free on offense. I just don't think they have enough big playmakers to threaten defenses. They're, they're doing the best that they can, but that's what was clear yesterday. They just don't have enough to hang with teams. Yeah, I mean, losing Waller obviously hurts, and and I'm with you. They don't have that alpha wide receiver. I mean, Renfro's good, but he's not an alpha wide receiver. There's a couple of them that are coming out in this draft. There's really three, four maybe, that I would be very comfortable with drafting, and the Raiders likely will get a shot at one of those guys, so hopefully they get one. I think if they get that dominant presence on the outside, they could be in for a couple good years moving forward because they really good team. And I also think, if, if we're being honest, I, they may never admit this, I really think a lot of what happened this season has probably hurt them as well because they looked so good Uh earlier on in the season. And then everything that's happened off-field, I mean, they're human beings. There's no way that didn't affect them at all. I'm sure that has kind of caused some issues for them as well. So which one of those receivers is the fastest? It doesn't matter if he can catch. Jameson Williams. Bam. So that's that's the guy. That's that is the definitely the pick we all joke. So I, I I talk obviously about Ray Garvin, a guy that I yeah. have a tremendous amount of respects about uh, in this industry. He is a uh, Raiders fan as well. He's from Las Vegas, so he's a Raiders fan. Lives in in Dallas, so he or yeah, lives in Dallas, so he's a Cowboys fan as well. And uh, we were talking about that recently on his morning show. He's like, that's just like the the Raiders Al Davis pick of all time is taking Jamison Williams because he's so fast. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that that'd be a bad pick because I do think he's a very complete. He's a better version of Henry Ruggs, in my opinion. So I think that he would be a good fit there. I mean, if they could, I think that they should get Traylon Burks or Garrett Wilson. But we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, drafted a long time away. We got plenty of time talk about that uh the rams uh, beat the jags here 37 to 7 with robinson splitting time with hyde is there a jaguar that you trust you know robinson i get unfortunately he fumbled so i'm guessing that might have been why he ended up getting put on the bench but their passing game was already a bit of a downer and a bit of a mystery downer and the with hyde getting a lot of carries now and he got the touchdown i think that makes their entire offense a downer well i think urban came out today and said that um running backs coach oh i forget his name it was very it was his uh, Bernie Parmalee had a rotation, and it was Bernie who made the decision that Robinson wasn't going to go back in yet because he was he was the rotation, you know, throwing his running backs coach underneath the bus there. I mean, they've already admitted that they're going to fire all their offensive coaches and start over in the off season, so as if that was going to solve everything. It will, of course. You have no idea. Jack I mean, Morris in the moon. That's where Joe Brady's going next. But still, uh, Robinson had, uh, other than yesterday, Robinson has significantly outtouched Hyde. Uh, yesterday it was eight to nine in Hyde's favor, but then it was 17 6, 12 0, and 12 2, all for James Robinson. So, in my opinion, it's more just a function of the inept offense in general that is bringing Hyde or Robinson down. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I think that if they give him the ball though, he'll still be fine. I mean, why they're splitting time. I don't believe it all. I know. I'm sure. I know Dennis was saying that a little tongue in cheek. Uh, 
I guarantee it was still still some Urban Meyer there because Carlos Hyde is his boy. But my goodness, just give him Robinson the ball, man. He's, he's oh no, I, I I'm saying it because that's what it was. That's what he what Meyer said. I'm sure no, yeah, that I Urban know. Meyer yeah. said f that dude. He fumbled. Put my guy in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. One hundred percent. Matt Sony Michelle is carving out a role here moving forward. Do you think this is just a, do you think this is a thing or is it an injury thing with Darrell Henderson? Well, I think he got all the work yesterday because of the injury to Darrell Henderson, but the and I know they were playing the Jaguars, but he looked really good running the ball and gave them a different more power running dimension. And I thought their offense looked better and coming off of a horrendous three-game losing streak, I think there is going to be some thought that you know, depending on Hend- how Henderson looks, I think they're going to be more comfortable throwing Michelle in there and having him run because I thought he looked great yesterday. I, I think this is what Michelle is at this point. If he's fresh, he looks great and he looks explosive and he can catch the ball well. But I think if you give him the ball 15 times, four games in a row, he's going to miss four games because of his knees. I just think that his knees are shot, uh, but I think he's somebody that you can give five carries a game and he's going to help spell the other guy, give eight carries and he'll spell Henderson. And then if you need him a week or two to give you, uh, you know, a dominant performance, dominate the touches, he can do that. But I think long-term that's what we've seen is it doesn't take long for the wear and tear to slow Michelle down. Yeah, I mean, realistically, he has a chance to be a league winner. I mean, he's the guy most people were able to get off their waiver wires here recently. If Henderson stays uh, hurt and down and they manage his workload well, I mean, Michelle could really end up a lot of points for you. Yeah, and it's great for the Rams to make Henderson active and then not give him a damn snap. Yeah, yeah, well, well you know, that's... He's the emergency running back. Yeah, the emergency... Was realizing These, he was not going to get a touch. Yeah. yeah. The Steelers win on um, a failed two-point conversion by the Ravens, 22-19. Matt, thoughts on the Ravens' decision to go to? Well, supposedly their defense was banged up, and we found out today Marlon Humphrey is out for the year. I think that's a really bad sign because, as you have noted, their past defense has not been incredible this season as is. Their offense isn't looking that great either. I think this portends some issues for Baltimore. They're still going to make the playoffs. They probably can still win the North. But Lamar, you know, he looked better than we thought he was going to look or or than I thought he was going to look as a passer earlier in the season. But he seems to be struggling of late. That two-point conversion, that was a good play call, and they should have gotten that. They actually should have won. That ball was put in a – not great position. Andrews maybe could have made a play on it, couldn't. They're just, it seems like they're just missing a lot of them. I watched a good deal of that second half. He just missed some wide open Marquise Brown down the middle, too. And Devonta Freeman's been better than I expected, but they, they're missing that power running game element. There isn't something on the Ravens offense that you truly fear right now. Yeah, the only runner that anybody fears is Lamar, and they can key on him. So that puts them in a position where, you know, Freeman can be 
get a touchdown. He can get 35, 40, 50 yards. Uh, I think last night, I, I loved it. I thought it was, to me, I think more teams need to embrace that. Hey, we're here. Let's let's go win it. Um, but T.J. Watt was in Lamar's face, and I, I just it looked like he just didn't expect him there, and he what he 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 wasn't ready to throw it just yet. Um, now Andrews was open earlier, so he should have been ready to throw it because Andrews was like open from the get go. Uh, but Watt being in his face just put the pressure on him and. I think that caused him to lead Andrews literally 12 inches too far. Yeah, I don't honestly have an issue with it at all because had they had it converted, had Andrews been able to hold on to it, they convert, they win the game and they're even they're they're further up in the division. We would we'd be talking about this the complete opposite way. So you've I think you've got to give Harbaugh credit when he does decide to make a decision like this and go for it cuz we don't know they would have won if they just kicked. I mean, Justin Tucker is pretty much automatic, so we know likely they get the extra point and they go into overtime. But we don't know that they win in overtime, so why not go for it right now, get the win? I, I'm not going to criticize him for making that move. Matt, Ben, Matt, I'm sorry, Dennis, Ben seemingly announcing he'll retire. Will that spur the Steelers back into the playoffs? No. no. I mean, they I, their offensive line is not great. Uh and may I, I just don't sense a win one for the Gipper moment here. I, I think Ben is shot and it shows. And basically announcing his he's retiring, you know, he's telling everybody I got one foot out the door. And I, I think that. I think we run into some situations where if things go a little bit sideways, you're going to, you know, you'll start to hear the, well, why do you care? You're leaving. Um, I do think though, that I, I didn't hear him say that he was retiring specifically. I felt like what he said was it's my last year in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think the implication is probably that he's going to retire, which would make sense given you know, the injuries piling up, his age, and the two other big marquee names from his draft class, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, are both already um, gone. I did think they played a little bit harder um, and with a little bit more urgency. I also think they have the Vikings and the Titans as their next two games. A Chiefs team that we saw is not is susceptible to a good defense. The Browns were having their own issues, and then – they close with Baltimore. Given the way the AFC is, six, five, and one, having that tie, as embarrassing as it was at the time, may actually give them something of an advantage if they end up wins wise in a nine, 10 win gridlock with some other teams. They'll have a slightly better record. I'm not convinced they make the playoffs, but I do think that they, I feel more confident that they have a shot than I did maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing good enough. I mean, the, the offense was not good most of that game. It really seemed like in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, Deontay Johnson just kind of came alive and carried that passing offense. Uh, but I think, you know, Ben's been okay most of the year. I, I will be honest. It, it does seem like this is really it for him. 
but I'm not going to believe it until I see, because I feel like this dude's been complaining about his injuries and talking about retiring for the past 15 years. So when he actually does it, I'll believe it. Uh, but I do think that they can make the playoffs. Cause that, as Matt said, having that tie is actually a big feather in their cap. I mean, is to say. He might look good in orange and blue with that wide receiver core you got out there. I thought we were friends. <laughs> the that was the most Seahawks. hurtful thing you've ever said. The Seahawks surprisingly upset the uh, the 49ers here, 32-23. Matt Kittle was amazing. Thoughts on IU going back to being a non-factor again? Yeah, it was really frustrating. Although outside of George Kittle, it didn't seem like Jimmy G had eyes for anyone. There was a big, uh, there was a kind of a joke on Twitter that two minutes left in the third quarter, Ayuk caught his first pass of the day and became the second leading receiver on the Seahawks or on the 49ers. So they really, I mean, it was basically George Kittle and Elijah Mitchell, and that was it. Um, but a bad loss for the 49ers. Hopefully they can get it together. The offense did not look quite as dynamic with Debo missing. Yeah. I, you know, as far as IU goes, I think it was a function of they, San Francisco doesn't force the ball. I think to their wide receivers, they force it to Kittle sometimes, but I don't know that they necessarily force it to their wide receivers and Kittle was open and Kittle was making plays. So Ayuk had the second most targets on the team. Um, you know, would have been nice to see him convert a couple more. But, you know, they didn't use him in the run game like they do Debo. Uh, he did. He was second on the team in catches tied with Mitchell. Uh, one more than Juice Check and Sherfield. So I, I don't know that I'm going to you know, be wringing my hands that this was some travesty abuse of uh, player. It, it was just a function to me that George Kittle was balling the F out and he was making plays and he was, he was hitting. I mean, what uh, I had an 18.3 yard per catch average. So it wasn't like, you know, he didn't catch three balls for seven yards. He was getting down there making plays but Kittle was just making more. And then while they gave the ball to Mitchell, I mean, he only had a three-point yard, 3.0 yard per carry. So the offensive line wasn't really giving Mitchell a, a ton of opportunity in the run game, but they were using him to eat up the clock. So uh, I'm not too worried about uh, Ayuk. I, I think that Debo is the wide receiver one and, Ayuk is the complimentary guy, and once Debo gets back, you know, th they'll fall back into that same role. All I know is I'm extremely frustrated with Mr. George Kittle because I benched him this week after his poor performance last week, and I missed out on 181 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, it, which is, I mean, it's, I mean, but that's on you. You don't bench your studs. I had Dawson Knox. I played Dawson Knox over him. I mean, I would bet that Dawson Knox and George Kittle are better than some of your flex options. No. Devontae Adams, Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley. Well, Devontae um, Adams Terry was on uh, No, I'm trying to think of who my other one was. I was trying to think of who. I'll, I'll look really quick. But I did. I benched him for, for Dawson Knox because 
He frustrated. Yeah, he better hope Dawson Knox is the reason that the Bills score 58 points day. tonight. It doesn't so matter. It's, my son started and Gronk in his league. Uh, no, he probably kicked somebody's yeah. ass. I take that back. I, have, I did start George Kittle as my flex option. I take that back. I started Dawson Knox as my tight end. So yeah, so I there started. you go. So I apologize, but no, I did bench him in another league, but that one didn't matter either. It's just, I don't know. It was very frustrating, but I, I didn't, I keep forgetting. He's like actually been scoring a lot of touchdowns recently. He's had like mm-hmm. one in the last three before last week's very My Scott Fishbowl team hasn't forgotten. Single-handedly <laughs> yeah. carrying us toward the playoffs with no Aaron Jones, no DeAndre Swift available to me. Massive win for me this week in Scott, Scott Fishbowl. I've secured myself 199 points, and I have someone going tonight too, so I'm, I'm excited. I've, yeah, I have Josh I've, I'm, the fifth, I'm the fifth seed, but I'm also third in points, so I'm almost positive I'm in regardless now at this point. So I'm, I'm happy about that, especially after last year's really poor performance of, I believe, two wins on the entire so I'm I'm very happy to uh, be making it into the playoffs. Uh, Dennis, with AP, will AP be a factor in the backfield for the Seahawks moving forward, and should Jarvert be released? So AP, 1.5 yards per carry. You know, will he be a factor? Uh, to the extent that he might limit some of the more explosive guys on the team from carrying the ball a factor yeah maybe a negative factor man that the dude is shot man he's he's shot worse than ben and that's saying something uh i love ap as a player but the player he was two years ago is not the player he is now uh it it just i mean Dude's got to hang him up. Go out with some dignity. He, he's reminding me of the Lawrence Taylor character uh, in uh, oh any given I, Sunday. Yeah, that would just had to play to get that million dollar bonus regardless of his health. But isn't and that they, doesn't AP have some financial issues? That yeah, yes. Yeah, so maybe it's apropos. So yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's rough. I don't think AP's. I mean, the running game in Seattle stinks without Chris Carson. Um, I hope Chris Carson makes smart health decisions. Um, you know, having something wrong with your neck is no joke. Uh, but uh, I think Elijah, not, uh, not Elijah, uh, Rashad Penny, uh, you know, I think he's injured again. Um, well, he woke up. He must have gotten injured. Uh, he's... Dude just can't stay healthy. Alex Collins is, you know, they need a running back that's going to, that can stay healthy and be productive. And I don't think they have that player on the team. But no, you, why would you release Gerald Everett? Because he fumbled a couple times in a game. I mean, that was just some of the, I don't know if you saw on, um, on Twitter and some of the other people were talking about he should have played his last snap in Seattle, that he's not. The, you know, the crucial fumbles had a couple of big drops. I, there was a lot of people talking about him. Oh, one of the I'm worst sure. games ever. I, fans I get crazy about it either, but fans get crazy about shit. But I mean, what? Uh, he lost two fumbles. You know how many fumbles he has on the season? Two, two, two. Yeah. I mean, he had the dude had a bad game. And Seattle still won. That's the. This reminds me of the people that 
burn their city to the ground after they win a championship. The right. other people should be burning their city to the ground. In terms of AP, I mean, I think he is going to be a factor because uh, the dude Barrett walked in off the street and led the team in carries. And I know you were joking about, or I hope you were joking about the other explosive options. I know Travis Homer had the 73-yard touchdown, but if you take that out, he had two carries for seven yards. Penny had 10 carries for 35 yards. He doesn't look like he got injured yesterday. I don't see No, he, he did But, uh, I mean, if yeah, Brady Alex Collins two yards per carry more than AP, I mean. I know. Their running game is atrocious in general. Maybe this is the opening you need for your Penny trutherdom to come back to the forefront. We'll see. Even even I've given up. Oh, my gosh. It's just his mother then. The, the Chiefs beat the Broncos 22-9. to Matt, Denver comes up short. Can they get into the playoffs with this offense? Not with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater's having a career year, and I want to take that away from him. But he, if anything, especially if you're looking forward in Dynasty, he's proven that he is, at this point, a, a great backup, a guy who can come in and, and be a bridge for you. But that's somebody, uh, I think it was Mike Clay on Twitter last night, noted he was able to keep three receivers fantasy relevant for Carolina last last year. He can't do that for a single passing game element. The, the offensive team picture for Denver last night was Javante Williams. Their defense was great. Their special teams coach, how he's still employed, has continued to baffle me because their special teams has been a letdown. But but Teddy just – he can't get it done. He can't make big throws. He can't make downfield throws to threaten anything. So that, that does weird things with the coverage and then just back-breaking uh, turnovers. Yeah, I, I think Teddy's uh, – you know, it's just not there. He's he's a game manager at best, and without everything around him being perfect, uh, the limitations really show. Yeah, Dennis, the Chiefs' offense is okay, but the team wins. Are they still the favorites in the AFC West? So. The Chiefs' offense reminds me of my 11-year-old son. Everything that he does, he wants to be TikTok-worthy. And it's like, sometimes, you know, just throw the ball like a normal kid, Pat. Just throw it like a normal kid. You know, you don't have to, every time Tyreek Hill catches a five-yard slant, he doesn't have to try to jump and dance around to make it an 80-yarder. Take it four more yards and, and just go down with the tackle. Everything seems to be just sort of this, you know, it's like Sideshow Bob running the, running the show there. And maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I get it. I, I'm an old dude, and, you know, maybe I'm screaming, get off my lawn. But I think it's starting to just because you can do some crazy shit doesn't mean you should. And sometimes I think that some of the players on the Chiefs try the crazy shit because they can. And and I think they need to, you know, their defense is starting to play well. The offense needs to just get back and play well all the time and quit quit goofing around. Yeah, I 
I was observing last night. I thought there was a real lack of focus too, because they had some open plays. They went down and had a pretty good opening drive and score that touchdown. And they couldn't get back to the end zone after that. They had, they weren't even incredibly successful at moving the ball. They had a lot of sloppy drops. Uh, even the commentators last night made some some comments about it. Seems like Mahomes' default lately is to drop down and throw that three quarter arm pass and which he can do but as they know it adds a degree of difficulty that you know probably doesn't help some of these receivers when they're trying to go over the middle and make make things happen their offense just doesn't look incredibly right I would say that I think their defense has gotten better as the season's gone along it seems like Steve Spagnuolo has figured some things out their schedule is going to be Interesting. I think they are still the favorites right now, but that being said, they are at the Raiders this week and then they face the Chargers who they already lost to once. If they get swept by the Chargers and end up kind of in a tie there, I think there is for the first time in the last couple of years, a more realistic chance they could potentially not win. I think they make the playoffs regardless, but they may not win their division because they got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in there. And then another powerhouse meeting with Teddy Bridgewater to close the season. It's insane that uh, a guy who was the locked in one, one super flex league drafts has been turned into a game manager. Before we jump into waiver wire targets, Dennis, let everybody know where they can get some fantasy football roundtable merchandise. Well, time is running out. Uh, it's December 6th, and we know that the post office and UPS and FedEx start to get backed up uh, this time of year. So you need to get your order in uh, just in time for the holidays. Get your fantasy football roundtable gear at viridianglobal.com. That's viridian, V-E-R-I-D-I-A-N-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. Viridian Global, all one word. Uh, snapback hats, trucker hats, T-shirts, three-quarter sleeve raglans. I just found out my 16-year-old is all into those baseball-style jerseys now. After I bought one for my 11-year-old, now I'm a 16-year. I'm like, dude, I bought him. I'm telling my 11, I'm like, I bought him something else. Anyways. Uh, and my favorite, the hoodies. It's cold up here in Ohio, getting colder by the minute. Uh, all adorned with the Fantasy Football Roundtable logo. Get 10% off Fantasy Football Roundtable gear this week uh, with our Black Friday code Roundtable. That's viridianglobal.com selections, Fantasy Football Roundtable, and use code Roundtable, all one word, for 10% off. All right, so let's take a look at the waiver wire targets for week 14, the last week for most in their fantasy football regular seasons. Again, all roster percentages are courtesy of fantasy pros by weeks. As Matt mentioned earlier, the New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, Indianapolis Colts, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Matt, let's start at quarterback. Taysom Hill at 35%, Tyler Henneke at 33%, Justin Fields at 17.2%. You are... Muted, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think that's the order for me. I think Taysom Hill has the most upside. And then I like what Heineke's doing. He is QB 15. It's not a terrible option. I tend to be with you. I'm not sure we see Fields. I, I sincerely doubt they throw him to the Wolves on the road in Green Bay on Sunday night. So it may be a little bit. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm torn because of Hill's rushing ability. Um but Heineke's just got a lot better weapons 
And so I think it's kind of a coin flip between the two. Uh, it's one of those things. Maybe maybe grab both of them if they're available in your league. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm out on fields and redraft. I I think even if he comes back and plays, uh, if you if you have to start him, you're probably not going to go very far, anyways. Yeah, I think I would actually put Heineke first because he's also not injured. We know Hill's dealing with the plantar fasciitis, and he also injured his finger in that game Thursday night. I mean, he seemed fine after the fact, uh, but Heineke, is, as Dennis mentioned as well, better weapons around him. He can dump off to, to Antonio Gibson. I'm almost positive they have a much better schedule going forward as well, so I don't know that there's that much of a difference between the two. Granted, Taysom Hill, as I pointed out earlier in this episode, did score 11 points more than Heineke this week. But I think I'd put Heineke first and then Taysom Hill second. And I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm out on fields. Running backs. Adrian Peterson is sitting at 13.1%. Kenneth Gainwell at 11.8%. Carlos Hyde at 10.6%. And Dennis's favorite son, Rashad Penny, at 3.9%. Man, it, it, I can't go with Penny. I, I just can't, especially if I think if uh, if Pete Carroll believed in Penny, they wouldn't have signed Adrian Peterson. I I think either one of those two, Peterson or Penny, you're you're just hoping for a fall into the end zone. Gainwell, are are we actually going to see him and uh, Miles Sanders now, sort of with these? well-defined roles like we had this week. Sanders in his 120 yards, Gainwell with some receiving work as the change of pace. If I felt confident that that's what it was, I'd probably go Gainwell. And it's not Carlos Hyde either, despite the uh, uh, potential perception that it's a platoon now. Uh, so, you know, I guess I'm, I'm going to go Gainwell uh, and hope that he's catching the passes, and then Peterson, and hope he trips and falls into the end zone. Let yeah, me uh, let me let me add something here really quick, Matt, because I forgot to add this. I, I don't know if either one of you saw this. It came across Twitter about twenty minutes ago while we were recording. Elijah Mitchell's been put into concussion protocol. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, he has time. It's five days, so he can clear before the 49ers next game. But if he doesn't. Would you guys be willing to put Jeff Wilson or Jamichael Hasty? I think those are the only two left because Sermon, I know, went on IR. So would you be willing to put either one of those on this list, and where would you add them? Yeah, Jeff Wilson would be my top option, um, you know, if he's coming out. And then probably Hasty below that. Um, of those four, it's not a great time for running backs in general, but for sure um, – with waiver wire stuff, I'd probably have Gainwell of those four. Gainwell, and then maybe I'm more of a truther than Dennis. I'm taking Penny over Adrian Peterson. I'm with you. He looked a little washed. I don't really love either of them, and I don't believe in Carlos Hyde. So, I mean, I'd love to take Penny over Peterson, but I just don't believe in Pete Carroll. But Wilson would be the number one by yeah. far. Wide receivers. Russell Gage is sitting at 29.5%. Deontay Harris at 10.4%. Nick Westbrook Akini at 8%. And KJ Osborne at 36 
So uh, with Adam Thielen um, likely to miss with that high ankle sprain, especially this week, I'm actually taking KJ Osborne as the top because we've seen him do it earlier this season. And I think there's a good opportunity there. They were probably going to all gravitate everything to Justin Jefferson. So I like Osborne and Conklin a little more this week. And then I'm going Gage and then Westbrook Akini and Deontay Harris is my last choice because I think it's kind of whack-a-mole with those Saints receivers. Didn't Harris get suspended for three games today? I thought they were fighting it. Uh, maybe they are. But, um, yeah, I, I I agree with the Osborne. We have seen him do it, and uh, we know he can be productive. Uh, and that offense is more productive in general, I think, than uh, the Atlanta offense. Um, the, the concern for me with Westbrook Akini, Julio Jones has just been uh, put it given the uh, activated from IR status. So maybe he's back this week. Maybe he's not. I don't know if Westbrook Akini has carved out a permanent role or not when Brown and Jones are back. But uh, uh, for me, it, it's uh, Osborne and Gage. Yeah, um, and Kyle mentioned this. I forgot to mention this as well. Uh, Jeff Wilson uh, is reported today that his knee injury flared up, so there's a realistic shot that you Michael Hasty is actually the only and Kyle running back healthy and ready to go for the 49ers. So that'll definitely make things interesting. Last but not least, the tight ends. Tyler Conklin at 32.5%, Foster Moreau at 25.3%, and Cole Komet at 19.7%. I, I think with with uh, Thielen out, I think that uh, Conklin gets a little bump. Uh, and a Waller has been moved to day-to-day, so there's probably a fairly decent chance he plays this week. We've seen Moreau be productive, but not necessarily in a lead role. He had a great opportunity this week. And while he caught the one pass for 34 yards, uh, that was pretty much it. Um, you know, Komet? But they keep every time they get close to the end zone, they throw the ball to Jimmy freaking Graham. So uh, for me, I guess it's Conklin. I'd probably, I'd probably go Conklin, Komet, uh, and Moreau uh, in a toss-up for the last two. Yeah, for me, it's pretty clearly Conklin and then Komet. Um, I'm not sure I'm buying into Moreau, and I, it didn't sound like Darren Waller was going to be out that long. He definitely. You know, we had some high hopes last week. It didn't happen. I'm not sure it gets a lot better going against the Chiefs. All right, so that will do it for us tonight. Matt and myself will be back tomorrow to recap the Monday night football game between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. We will also probably preview the Thursday night football game um, as we will not be able to record on Wednesday. So everybody enjoy the Monday night football game tonight in what looks to be an absolute blizzard. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. And if prepare for glory, I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackled him before he heard Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't.